the word and spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The first reading today is from the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 9 through 14. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The next reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming from with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Next from the book of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord or do... Do others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting 
that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the Lord. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Daniel and Revelation are both weird, wonderful, and greatly misunderstood books of the Bible. Daniel is often misunderstood in the way many of the prophetic books of the Old Testament are misunderstood. Prophecy is defined in our common cultural usage today as being prediction of the future, but that's not what it was defined as in ancient Israel. Prophecy was a word from God. The Old Testament prophets often spoke in special patterns, using key words to shape the way in which they delivered the word God gave them to deliver to the people Old Testament prophecy was not just about predicting the future. In fact, very little of their job was the magical future-telling that often gets associated with the word prophecy. Now, they surely did speak of the new covenant that God would make with the people. They surely did, in many of the passages we will read over Advent, point toward the coming of the Messiah. But they also delivered strong words of warning to those who were living contrary to God's ways of peace and love and hope and justice. They would point to the sinner, usually in the case of the ancient prophets, the kings of Judah, and by proxy and complacency, the people blindly following them, then say what God has promised to do as a judgment if they didn't shape up. Or sometimes tell them it was too late to stop the judgment. Revelation is similarly misunderstood. Not just one, but several of my commentaries this week started by bringing up the very basic mistake of referring to the book as Revelations. One of the uh, audio commentaries I listened to that goes along with the lectionary has two hosts, and one of them went on like a full minute-long rant about it's Revelation, not Revelations. There's just one of them. Um, And the other host finally intervened and got him back on track again. But it's just one revelation, as in something is being revealed, or I had a revelation the other day. It's One vision from God that came to John. It was common in John's time for holy people, spiritual leaders, to write such a book to share with others the revelation or vision they had been given by God. And so this book is a revelation. God is revealing something about Jesus through the book. It is also a letter. As we can see in our passage today, we see John's greeting at the beginning of the letter, grace and peace to you. This book is also prophecy, like those in the Hebrew scriptures, like Daniel and others. But unlike the Hebrew prophecies, this one is definitely centered entirely on Jesus Christ. 
Often, Revelation is read as being a guide to predict the end of times, but this is not at all what it was intended to be, nor is that how we should should read it. Revelation is about the nature of Christ being revealed to the world. It's about Jesus' interaction with the broken systems and the broken people of the world. Catherine Shaner says, Revelation itself shows the worst of human arrogance in our attempts to subdue the earth, exploit its glorious resources, and control creation's interconnected systems. The idea that God is the one who is and who was and who is to come offers a moment of hope at the end of a very difficult season for many in our congregations and communities. God is with us in the day-to-day world, not necessarily as regal king or untouchable emperor, but as one whose very being infuses our collective past, our present, and the future. We are entering into Advent, a time of waiting. We spend this time waiting for the baby to be born in the manger. But it's a weird waiting because we know that in real time, the baby has already been born. That happened 2,000 years ago. So we read passages from the Hebrew prophets this time of year and run the risk of saying, aha, we have already seen the fulfillment of this one. And then forget that the prophets have a rich and ongoing meaning even now, even that the Messiah has come. Our need for Jesus hasn't diminished since the time of the prophets of old, since they first warned people to get their acts together. Eventually, the prophets become little more in our collective story than just clever psychics who predicted Jesus' birth. And we tend to see Advent as just part of the Christmas shopping season rather than a time for preparation and focus, because after all, we know the baby was already born And if the baby was already born, what do we have to wait for? We were sitting at Eaton Park on Friday with the kids before going to see a movie, and some totally bizarre Muzak version of a Christmas hymn came over the sound system. And this was not just run-of-the-mill elevator music. This was like electronic-y and strange. It had a funky, syncopated beat. The hymn was almost unrecognizable. It took two lifelong Presbyterians a a moment or two to figure out what in the world song this actually was. It was very, very weird. And so my husband and I just gave each other a look and then we both started giggling because we were thinking exactly the same thing. And I asked, what in the world is this? And he said, well, it is technically after Thanksgiving. It's technically the Christmas shopping season. And I said it wasn't even the whole playing Christmas music too early thing, which I do have a bit of a soapbox about. But it was that this particular song was such a strange arrangement of the hymn. It's like they wanted to make it not too churchy when they played it. And I'm always a little weirded out by Christmas hymns being played in public places, especially as part of the whole Black Friday liturgy of shopping. It feels like the world outside of church has co-opted one of our most holy times and turned it into Muzak. Play Jingle Bells at the mall all you want, but to associate the birth of our Savior with 50% off sales is a bit unsettling, to say the least. But it's interesting 
that this most holy of times, this time where we shift from the end of one church year to the beginning of another and celebrate the power of Jesus right next to the vulnerability he subjected himself to for us. This is the one time of year that the outside of the church world has noticed and tries to get a piece of. You don't hear Christ the Lord is risen today being blared on the mall speakers during Holy Week. But as of Thursday, every mall in the country is playing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Even when we have trouble believing or understanding the how, the resurrection part of the peace on earth, goodwill to all that we are given in Jesus, collectively, we as humanity still seem to know that we need peace on earth, goodwill to all. There is still this sense of waiting in hope for the Messiah. There is clearly a piece of the kingdom of God that humanity knows we still need. Just watch any Lifetime or Hallmark Christmas movie and look for representation of the kingdom of heaven. None of them say God, or very few of them anyway, but this desire for peace and reconciliation is all over them, as corny as they may be. There is an innate knowledge that we are still in need of the Messiah, of reconciliation, of restoration, of rebuilding, of peace. We both need and have hope for the future. And so this passage from Revelation is a reminder of our identity, as well as of our hope for the future. We can't forget that Jesus is not finished with us yet. Jesus is not finished with the world yet. Christ the King Sunday does not mark the completion or the end, but it marks the transition into the next season. The King we serve is not like any other. He is outside the boundaries of space and time, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, simultaneously, both at the same time. And so today we celebrate the power of the one who was both at the beginning and at the end of time. We celebrate a God who always has more in store for us. There is always something new and fresh and exciting to prepare our hearts for in these waiting times. We are waiting for something new and something very old. We are listening to prophecies that have both been seen to be true and still have truth left to share and to reveal to the world. And we are the ones who are called to be sharing that truth to humanity who so deeply knows it's needed. We share the truth of God's kingdom in many important ways, and we will be exploring some of those together during our Advent time. We give gifts at Christmas to mirror God's gift to us of a king who came humbly in helpless human infant form. We participate in extra mission and charitable giving to stand with Jesus alongside the downtrodden and the struggling. We focus on love and family and friendships and special times of worship because that is what endures in the kingdom that isn't like the worldly kingdoms. And so today we end another year in the church calendar. Next week we begin a new one. Let us start that new year with expectant hearts and with the knowledge that God is still speaking and moving today in old ways, through the prophets, and in new ways, through our voices in the world around us. Jesus, our King, is still working in the world. Amen.